0: Welcome to Life Church. My name is Dylan Johnston, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. As we get into the message today, I just want to thank Pastor Aaron for giving me the opportunity to bring our message today. We're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. As you turn there, I recognize it's summer. People are beginning to travel, and you're going on road trips with family. I just want to give one PSA for every single person going on family road trips this summer. And it's the same public service announcement my dad would give to me growing up, and it's the same public service announcement I give this day anytime we take trips at the church or with our family. And it's this, use the bathroom before we leave. Do I need to say it again? Use the restroom before you leave. My dad would always say this to our family before we left the house, and it's become a mantra of mine when we begin begin road trips, and the reason being is because I hate pit stops. I hate detours. I hate being slowed down. I hate pit stops with a passion. And, you know, I I do this thing where I race against my GPS to get to my location as quick as possible. I hate pit stops, and if at all possible, I want to try to avoid them. As I've grown up, though, I've begun to realize that sometimes, especially on longer road trips, pit stops are necessary and, and even vital. Uh, they can keep you from falling asleep at the, at the wheel. They can keep an accident from occurring. They can make you more alert. They can enable you to get refreshed. Pit stops can be vital and even necessary in your journeys. I think more than just in our driving or in our road trips Pit stops can be necessary in our lives. They can be the moment that we take to refresh, to start anew, to get re-energized. I think pit stops can move from just a begrudging task that we deem as part of the uh, of the journey that we don't enjoy to becoming a piece that we actually love and see as necessary in our journey of following Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself took pit stops in his journey you got to remember, Jesus was on the greatest rescue mission of all time, and even on that rescue mission, Jesus took pit stops. There were many times where Jesus would get along, uh, get away alone to pray. There were often times where Jesus would slow down, get with just a few of his closest friends, and have a meal. Of course, there were times where he would be in front of large crowds. There would be times where he'd be performing miracles for hours on end. There would be times where he would teach 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people, and then feed all of them afterwards, yet just as often it seems we see Jesus getting alone and taking moments for rest pit stops, if you will. In fact, there's one moment here in John chapter 4 where we see that Jesus took one of these pit stops and it led to a life-changing encounter for a lady and for her entire village. In fact, I want to read that and I hope that today we can move from seeing pit stops as just a begrudging um, thing that we have to do sometimes. Sometimes. To a moment in our lives that we get to be a part of, that we get to take a rest, and we get to see what God can do as we take our hands off the wheel. John chapter 4, let's read it. Here it goes. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone to town to buy food. Now listen, before we go any further, you, you need to understand, I need to understand, we've got to get this. Jesus is human here. He's 100% God, 100% man. And we see this because he was tired and thirsty. I think sometimes when we read the stories of Jesus, we can get all caught up in thinking that he's 100% God and nothing else. So of course he's going to heal. Of course he's going to teach. Of course he's going to do what's right. Of course he's going to turn the other cheek and have righteous anger when righteous anger is necessary. But we also have to understand that Jesus is 100% human. He's 100% man. And he was tired, and he was thirsty, and he needed a break. He needed a pit stop, if you will. And yet even in the pit stop moment, there was an opportunity to change a life, which reminds me and lets me know that even in our pit stop moments there can be opportunities for God to continue to work. Not only that, I believe God will use our detours in our life as divine appointments if we will allow him to. We've got to realize that here Jesus is sitting in Samaria, Jesus is a Jew, and a Samaritan woman approaches the well to draw water. We've got to have a little bit of background, because here in this day and time, the Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They, they, they weren't friends, it, and they weren't even just like, we're going to sit at different lunch tables. It was like, we're going to be diametrically opposed in every way possible. We are going to dislike one another. They, they had different worship practices. They had different politics. They had different backgrounds. They, they had similar views of everything, and yet they were just different enough to where they absolutely had Hated each other for thinking uh, for thinking slightly different than them. If you would compare it, it's like the Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. They they both have this view of God, and yet they hate each other for the differences. It's it's like the gangs of the streets of L.A. If you will, they, they both want similar goals, and yet they are so opposed to one another. This was how Jews and Samaritans the 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 conflict was. That that's the level that this. Took place. They they viewed worship different. They they worshipped in different locations. They had different do's and don'ts. One was you know, full blooded Jews, and one was mixed marriage Jews, and so they just they were just different enough to absolutely hate each other. That's where this is. And Jesus is a Jew, and she is a Samaritan, and Jesus begins talking to her and opens up this dialogue, which brings me to point number one: is that Jesus moves past the obstacles. Jesus moves past the obstacles. All of that background, all of that understanding, all of the weightiness of of all of those facts and details, Jesus moved past all of that to talk to this woman. Jesus moved past all of that because he viewed this woman as worth saving. Jesus moved past all of that because he saw this woman as worth it. Which brings me great hope. Because no matter where I'm at in life, I know Jesus still cares for me. He, he still cares enough to sit down at the well and listen to me complain, to, to listen to my problems, to listen to my issues. Jesus still cares. Cares. And the beautiful thing about him listening is that my problems aren't too heavy for him. It's not like I'm just throwing up my problems on someone that can't carry them like we do in our earthly life. No, no, no. But when I bring my problems to Jesus, he's, he's already won the day. He's already won the battle. Jesus took our problems upon himself on the cross, died and rose again that we could be free uh, forever, that we could have freedom. That's the beauty of the fact that Jesus cares. Jesus went past all of it. Jesus crossed all boundaries, all barriers, and all walls to get to you. No matter if you're red, yellow, black, or white, if you're rich or you're poor, if you're from one background or the other, from one part of the world or another, no matter if you're happy or sad, Jesus removes the obstacles to get to you. There's nothing that he will stop at, nothing that will keep him from reaching out. The beauty of Jesus is that he cares enough about you to meet you right where you are. The story continues and we see that this woman's divine pit stop is, is, is it's this moment where Jesus, the Jew, asked the Samaritan woman for a drink. And she says, Yeah, I'd, I'd give you a drink. You have nothing to draw with. Uh, and, and she begins to bring up this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. She says, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How could you ask me for a drink of water? Jesus, amazing in conversation, retorts, If you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink of water. Uh, thus, she doesn't understand, as often people didn't when Jesus would begin to talk in these parable esque manners. She doesn't understand, and Jesus explains to her that he is the living water. What I see here as, as Jesus continues the conversation is that Jesus wanted her to get to know who he truly was. And I think in our lives, point number two, we see Jesus wants you to know him. Jesus wants you to know him. Listen, I think sometimes we think Jesus is out to play cosmic hide and seek with us. I think sometimes we think Jesus is trying to play a board game where we have to figure out who he is. It's like a guess who game. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus wants you to know him. Jesus wants you to draw close. Jesus wants you to bring to have healing. Jesus wants you to have hope. Jesus wants you to have restoration. Jesus wants that for your life. Jesus Jesus is not out to play hide and seek. He wants you to know him. And that's what we see with this woman. Jesus answered her in verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water, the water of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, Jesus wanted her to get today that more important than this water is the water of life that I can bring you, Jesus is saying to her, it's the water of life that you could have if you truly know who I am. Which reveals to me this, more important than our sins, more important than our problems, more important than our struggles or our addictions, more important than our lying, our cheating, our gossip, our stealing, is this ignorance of who Jesus truly is. More important than all of the behavioral sins we could have is us not truly knowing who Jesus is. For I think often we could look at our behavioral sins and if we truly follow Jesus and knew him, then our heart would be shifted and changed. In fact, uh, we see Jesus here and in our lives constantly inviting, constantly drawing near, constantly bringing us in, constantly getting close to us. And yet the question is, do we truly want to know him? Do we truly want to take the invite? Do we truly want to grow closer? Do we truly want that? Philippians chapter 4 talks about the perfect peace which Jesus alone brings. And if that's the case and we say we're following Jesus, then why are we so constantly stressed? 1 John chapter 4 talks about perfect love that's from Jesus that casts out all fear. And if we're following Jesus, why are we constantly riddled by fear? Romans chapter 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we're following Jesus, and if that's the case, then why are some of us constantly carrying baggage that weighs us down because of our past sins or our past wrongs? You see, if we're truly following Jesus and we truly know who he is, the way he intends for us to, then our lives could look drastically different. Jesus invites you to know him, not just to know the cute, cuddly, Sunday school Jesus, but to truly know Jesus, the Savior of the world. Pastor Aaron would say it like this, that we should lean so heavily upon him that if Jesus were to move, our whole lives would fall. Do you truly know and follow Jesus? If so, it's, it's more than just living water to quench your, your earthly thirst, but it's living water to quench your soul. We continue in the story and we see that the, the woman takes this living water concept literally. She doesn't understand how Jesus could, could get water. Uh, she, she wants to not have to go back to the well to keep drawing water. So she's like, sure, I'll take the living water. Uh, but she does something intriguing and she, can, she asks, could I have that water? It's almost an invitation to Jesus. I want what you have. It's an invitation for Jesus, not just to give her living water, but to speak into her life, which means digging down to the root of the problem and speaking to her heart. He goes, call your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and right now, here today, you are with a sixth man who you were not married to. And then she does something that I think we all do. Something that we often do when we get a little bit uncomfortable um, in life is that we quickly change the conversation. We can sometimes bring up drama just to ignore what had just been said. And that's actually what she does. She brings up that their worship styles are drastically different. Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. you're, You're with a man right now. He's not your husband. He's the sixth man you've been with. You've had five husbands. And she says, okay, let's turn the tables. We worship different. Let's talk about how we don't like to worship the same. Let's argue about that instead of talking about my problems but I think that brings me to point number three which is this Jesus deals with the heart issues Jesus deals with the heart issues she reveals one of the biggest issues we have in our Christian faith and it's this we like Jesus but we like our own version of Jesus we like Jesus oh he's cool He's wonderful, I like Jesus, I'm cool with Jesus, but I like my version of Jesus. We like Jesus the teacher, Jesus the prophet, Jesus the healer, Jesus the food multiplier, give me the buffet, hello. We like that Jesus, but we don't like Jesus the Lord. We like Jesus the savior, but do we like Jesus our Lord? for if we look in scripture we recognize that Jesus is not just the savior of our souls but he's also the lord of our lives and those are the two drastic places we have to get to is that he saves me from my sins but he also becomes lord of my life and the reason we don't like that is because it means we have to be willing to surrender we have to be willing to submit all that we are in order to follow him are you willing to submit are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to lay down your wants, your desires, your passions, your future in order to follow Jesus and take up his wants, his desires, his passions, the future he has for you? Uh, is that something you're willing to do? Because when you come to Jesus, that's uh, in essence, yes, I want to be saved, but also I want you to be Lord. You give up your right to make decisions in this world. That's the crazy thing is we like Jesus, but we like our version of Jesus. Jesus. And until we truly recognize the depth of our depravity, how, how messed up we truly are, we can't understand how desperately we need grace. Until we recognize the depth of our depravity, we will not truly have the attitude of gratitude we need for salvation. You see, I, I, I meet people all the time that have had a really, really rough past. Their life was jacked up, messed up, and turned around, and yet they came to know Jesus, and their passion and their hunger and their gratefulness that Jesus would love them enough to come and die for them is so encouraging, so life-giving, and so hope-bringing because I see that there is such an amount of gratitude in their lives that their heart issues have been dealt with because Jesus didn't just deal with their addiction, Jesus dealt with their heart. And that's what my hope is for all of us. It's not just about our gossip. It's not just about our lying. It's not just about our cheating. It's not just about this woman having five husbands and now being with a sixth man who's not her husband. No, 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 no. The true issue was that she didn't recognize that the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself, was sitting right before her, and yet she was missing out on the life-giving living water that he could bring. You see, we can fix the behavior, but unless we fix the heart, unless we allow Jesus to change our hearts, we will continually and constantly find ourselves in behaviors that that actually directly oppose what God has designed for our lives. Jesus deals with the heart issues. Will we let him deal with our hearts today? Jesus wants to change your heart. Jesus wants to change your life. Until we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior and we come face-to-face with Jesus, we will miss out and just try to change behaviors and not truly let our hearts be changed. It's been said a million times before, but Jesus, Jesus is not just in the, the act of behavior modification. He's in the business of soul transformation. Jesus is not just in the business of behavior modification. He's in the business of soul transformation or heart transformation. That's what he wants to do. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. We continue moving along in this story, and we see this woman's heart is completely changed. In fact, she's so changed, as the conversation concludes with her and Jesus, she has a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah that she's been looking for all along. Not only that, she immediately leaves from the conversation with Jesus and runs to tell everybody and anybody that will listen about this man, Jesus, who completely changed her worldview in just a matter of moments. Which brings me to point number four, our last point today. Healed hearts should help heal hearts. I know that's a lot of H's. Healed hearts should help heal hearts. Uh, We pick it up in verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, him being Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we believe because we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this man is truly the Savior of the world. You see, the life change in her was a catalyst for life change in others. The experience with Jesus she had should uh, fl- uh, sh- flow into other conversations and other interactions with other people. Which brings me to this the experiences you have with Jesus should flow into daily conversations and interactions you have with other people. It should be natural. Uh, I think sometimes it, we, it feels so forced. I tell my students in, in, in Life Church youth that. It, Telling people about Jesus doesn't mean you have to uh, stand up on a lunch table and you have to proclaim the gospel to everybody. It doesn't mean you have to go hijack the announcement time and and take the microphone and, and tell everybody that if they don't come to Jesus right now before the end of school, then they are not going to have a future in heaven. That's not what this has to look like. In fact, you should just be so consistently changed by the good news and the grace of Jesus that it's part of who you are. It's part of how you talk. It's part of how you walk. Healed hearts should help heal hurting hearts, man. You should see the hurt in others and desire to be a carrier of healing and a carrier of hope to their lives. So I ask the question, am I, are we, allowing God to use us as carriers of healing to those who are hurting? Are we allowing God to use us as carriers of healing to those who are hurting. I want you to take a moment as we close and notice her journey. Notice this woman's journey. She first identifies Jesus as a Jewish man, John chapter 4 verse 9, and then she perceives him as a prophet. Then she moves from prophet, and she suspects that he could be the Messiah. And then she moves from the Uh, Suspicion that he's the Messiah to actually believing with the crowd from the town. She believes in him to be the savior of the world. Uh, This goes from an obscure, thirsty Jewish man in verse 9 to the promise-fulfilling, life-giving Savior of the world in verse 42. She was blind, but now she sees. She was lost, but now she's found. The Samaritan woman had an encounter. It started with him just being this random Jewish man who was thirsty, but it ended with him being the life-changing Savior of the world. Have you had that same encounter? Have you had that same life-changing revelation of who Jesus is? Jesus is, it's a journey. Notice it didn't all happen in one moment. Notice it wasn't just Jewish man to Jesus. It wasn't Jewish man to Messiah. It wasn't Jewish man to Savior. No, no, no. This was a journey. Listen, that's why here at Life Church we so heavily emphasize taking your next step each and every single week because we recognize that it's a journey. Very few people make a giant leap in one moment, but every single day, every single time you happen to come to Life Church, that you happen to tune into a service, you can take a next step with Jesus. Whatever that next step is for you, you can take the next step because it's a journey. And a journey is step by step, moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year until you get to the place that God has created and designed you to be. And guess what? Until you die, until this life is over, your journey is not done your journey of growth your journey of following jesus your journey of hope your journey of healing your journey of restoration is not complete until the day you breathe your last breath and end up in heaven with jesus forever but while you're here the journey continues so i encourage you continue taking the next step and i ask you as we close where are you on the journey Is today the day that Jesus moves from the distant, iconic, historical figure to uh, possibly the life-changing Savior of your life? Is today the day that Jesus no longer has simply saved you, but he becomes the Lord of your life and you surrender all that you are to him? Is today the day that you uh, actually decide that you are going to move from just having a healed heart to help heal hurting hearts around you? Is today the day you take the next step in your journey? I ask you again. Where are you on the journey? My challenge and my prayer is that you would take the next step today. Whatever your next step looks like, or wherever your next step leads, I challenge you to take the next step. That pit stop moment, this pit stop moment as we're together, this pit stop moment is a moment for you to recognize the savior of the world is speaking to your life and he wants to change you forever. Will you let him? Today, I believe you have been given a divine pit stop, a moment to recognize that Jesus wants to heal your hurting heart. He invites you near to him and he got through all the obstacles just to reach you today. Will you take the next step in your journey? Because I believe God has something incredible in store for you. Would you bow your heads and let's pray today. Lord, we thank you. For we recognize that we in our own strength are inadequate to achieve anything that you have called us and created us to achieve. But we truly understand that today we desperately need you. Lord, I thank you that you move past every obstacle. You move past every barrier. You move past every problem just to reach me in my mess. That God, you pulled me out of my mess and you desperately sought after me that I would one day come to know you. And my heart would be healed and my life would be changed and then I would move from just being a changed life to being a catalyst for life change in others Lord I ask today that that would be a moment that we all can have that wherever we are on our journey that we would encounter the life-changing the life-changing gospel the good news of Jesus and our lives would be forever different that today, wherever we find ourselves, your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that our uh, next step would become evident, that we would grow one step closer to you today and we'd recognize it's a journey. And on a journey, you don't achieve it all in one quick jaunt, but it's a marathon and it's a journey and we're gonna take it step by step, moment by moment, day by day. And I pray that our pit stop moments, our divine pit stop today would be something that we can leave here energized, refreshed, and full of life change as we move forward to help heal hurting hearts wherever we go. We love you. We thank you. We give you all glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name.